It's my pleasure to welcome you all today to um, Banzel St. Louis Pro Bono Challenge Celebration. Today we're here to do a couple of things. One, certainly to honor the 23 firms who last year joined our Pro Bono Challenge and committed to providing at least 10 hours of pro bono legal assistance to our community per attorney during the year. Um, we're also here today to honor the law firms who have already signed on to make that commitment again for 2019. Last year, over 40,503 pro bono hours were donated and reported um, to Banzel, and 72,500 hours have been donated and reported over the past two years since we started this program. This is really incredible and certainly something that we as lawyers in St. Louis should be very proud of. Thank you so much to our partner, the Legal Services of Eastern Missouri. Uh, we appreciate your partnership in this awesome program. Thank you. While I have the microphone, um, I definitely want to mention a couple of other awesome um, programs that Bansel is working on now um, to um, get back to our community. One that we're very excited about, um, that you've probably been hearing about, is the St. Louis Attorneys Against Hunger program that we started a couple years ago under Ed Dowd's leadership. Um, this particular program has already in two years raised over $150,000 for St. Louis um, charities, including Meals on Wheels, Operation Food Search, and uh, St. Patrick's Center. In addition to fundraising, we host regular volunteer events for lawyers who are interested in getting involved and are excited to partner with Project XOXO. Um, it's a 5K run in August um, with the goal to raise money to fight not only hunger but homelessness in St. Louis. So if you're a runner, hopefully we'll see you there um, in August. Um, in addition to St. Louis Attorneys Against Hunger, our policy committee um, is very active and recently attended the State of the Judiciary in January and met with our legislative leadership in Missouri. They're out um, trying to persuade lawyers to run for public office. Um, and finally, I just want to mention our Public Education and Outreach, Outreach Committee um, with who, with the help of the Young Lawyers Division, has started a program called We the Students. And lawyers are going into schools and making presentations to students about our judicial system and educating students on their rights and obligations as citizens. If you are interested in getting involved in any of these committees or efforts, or you think people in your firms might be, Please reach out. You can reach out to me or Zoe or anyone else at Bamsel. We would love to have you um, and your your time. Our first speaker today, other than myself, is Judge Beach. Um, judge Beach was appointed as an associate circuit judge for the 21st Judicial Circuit in November of 2005, and as a circuit judge in May of 2010. Since his appointment as a circuit judge, Judge Beach served on the family court. He retired in September of 2018, um, but is keeping himself very busy and is continuing to be very involved in our legal community here in St. Louis. 
Prior to his appointment to the bench, Judge Beach served as the president of the St. Louis County Bar Association and the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Please join me in welcoming Judge Beach. Thank you, Sarah, for that kind introduction. Some months ago, uh, I think I was still being a judge, Sarah, uh, the uh, Patty Hageman came, called me and said, would I give a talk for this group? And being the typical person that I am, I always say yes. I'm learning to say no. Because I, so I wrote it down, had the date down, so it was ready to go. Didn't think about it much until a couple weeks ago, and then a couple weeks ago I started getting ready to put this together, and I said, you know, I started thinking, like, why did I say yes? I'm retired. How did that work? Uh, volunteering, folks, that's how we got here, and that's why all of you are here, thank goodness. Um, I, unfortunately, I, I was forced to retire. They said to me, our Constitution says if a judicial officer does not retire, then they shall forfeit their retirement. So being a lawyer, I know that shall means shall. So I wasn't going to test it. Uh, so uh, I, I no longer I am judging, uh, but somehow I learned that you just can't turn that switch and then all of a sudden just stop doing what you're doing when you decide to try not to. Because the flame just doesn't burn out right away. So that's really what we're here about today. Uh, we're here to honor the flame of justice and the pro bono spirit uh, epitomized by a wonderful human being, a friend and a colleague, and that would be uh, Judge Richard B. Tyler. He is so sorely missed by many of us. If you were one of the ones who were lucky enough to get a phone call from him at 2 o'clock in the morning where he left you a message, uh, or he sent you a note about some little tiny thing that you've done or accomplished that they, I mean, he, that he didn't miss very much. But it's the efforts of the bar, uh, Metropolitan Bar Association and the uh, legal services to recognize him with this challenge, I think, is, is very commendable. Uh, as Sarah mentioned, in 2017, the firms that were involved, about 19, I believe, did over 30,000, 32,000 hours of pro bono work. And this year, it's over 40. Uh, that's a remarkable feat. Think of how many hours that entails. Uh, regardless of how experienced you may be, if you're in promo, pro bono work, you, you, you get invested, at least I have in my, my experiences. What I wanted to talk about today was uh, the responsibility that each one of us has uh, in the law to share some of our good fortune uh, and maybe give a little bit back, which I believe everybody in this room has done. Rule 4-6.1 is entitled Voluntary Pro Bono Public Code Service, and it says, a lawyer should render public interest legal service. A lawyer may discharge his responsibility by providing professional services at no fee or reduced fee to persons of limited means or to the public service or charitable groups and organizations by service and activities that improve for improving the law, the legal system, and the legal profession. Every one of you here in this room has done a piece of that work, and I appreciate the work you've done, and many others do as well. I know I'm preaching to the choir here because that's the kind of people that are here for this uh, for this luncheon. But I wanted to, to quote a, a famous jurist: "Lawyers have a license to practice law and a monopoly on certain services, but that privilege and status lawyers have, they also have an obligation to provide legal services to those without the wherewithal to pay for the and, and to respond to the needs of those outside of themselves." 
to help repair tears in their communities. And that was a quote in a similar speech given by Supreme Court Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ultimately, the, the power, uh, it, it comes down to the authority of the courts, comes down to the trust and the confidence that people have in our system. While the legislative branch has the authority to, uh, over the budget, and how to spend money, unless you want to build a wall, maybe. <laughs> and the executive branch has authority over the military. The courts really don't have any independent source of power. The only thing that the judiciary has uh, to cement that power is the faith that the people have in our courts. It is the obligation of judges and lawyers uh, to make sure that the public's trust and confidence in the judiciary remains strong. And I think we're being challenged in that regard today. If the law is seen as only a tool of the most wealthy, and powerful, and influential, then the central part of the public's trust in the courts will be destroyed. By your doing pro bono work, attorneys are conveying the message to the public that it's not only those elite that get to have a fair shake in the courts. You may recall that one of the purposes of courts is to do justice in individual cases. And by engaging in pro bono efforts, attorneys are creating a greater probability that justice will, in fact, be done on individual cases. Pro bono efforts contribute to this purpose by showing that you don't have to have a fat bank account or big full pockets in order to get representations, representation. Our attorneys who, who give pro bono work are conveying to the public that the courts are a place where people can get a fair shake, where they can go knowingly, knowing that they will get a legitimate shot at some kind of justice. Your pro bono efforts help the courts to achieve that purpose and thus engage in enhancing the prestige, the authority, and the power of the courts. Pro bono is not just an act of charity by attorneys. It's doing this kind of work that attorneys strengthen the power and the influence that the judiciary has. And it also gives you an opportunity to continue to practice and prosper in your profession. There's an old myth uh, that those who win in the courts look favorably upon the judiciary. Uh, as a retired judge and doing family law, I go around and someone will say, oh, hey, you were the judge in my case. I immediately step back, take a defensive stance and say, how did we do? Um, and that those who have a negative, the court rules against them, that they have uh, a negative opinion. And I really, truly believe that that's wrong. Research and my own personal experiences have shown that the people's view of the judiciary and of justice is contingent upon how they were treated, not whether they necessarily won or lost. If they were treated with respect and dignity, were they listened to, did they have a voice that was heard in the court? Perhaps a little sadly, because I think it, it, it reflects on judges, if a party is represented by an attorney or counsel, then they seem to have a little bit more opportunity to be heard and to be listened to and maybe give it a little bit different different uh, respect. It's really hard if you are a judge or if you are on the other side of a case where there's somebody pro se to figure out how you're going to go through that quagmire and still come out on the back, on the other end with everyone feeling as if they've been heard. Hopefully everyone works for, or the, working for the courts, both judges and clerks, alike will come to see that uh, this result-oriented approach, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you're treated, that so that every single litigant will be treated with dignity and respect. They will listen 
feel like they've been listened to very carefully and that someone was caring about their argument. But until that time, being represented by an attorney is an essential part of being heard. And being heard is an essential part of people having a positive view of our courts. Again, this is not just a popularity contest. How people see the courts will shape the power and influence of our judiciary. The responsibility ultimately rests upon each one of us as individual lawyers and attorneys to assist those persons with limited means. No matter how you may pursue the case, you end up at the same conclusion. Pro bono work ultimately enhances the people's view of our courts and is a central component of the power of the judiciary. It's an investment in our own legal profession and our careers, and that investment is vital to the practice of law. Although so many of you do, do so much, these statistics, and we were talking about them earlier, uh, that pro bono work that you do serves less than 30% of the truly needy. Statistics have shown that there's less than one legal services attorney for every 10,000 individuals. So think about that. I think Bush Stadium fills like 38,000 people. If you put build it up with everybody that needed legal help, that would be four attorneys. I did that. I did. I used my calculator. If you have four attorneys on 38,000 people and each each client gets 30 minutes, that's 1,140,000 minutes or two years of work 24/7. That's a staggering number. And those are the people that are qualifying for legal services, and that's, there's, there's others out there that are in issues that are similar or as compounded. During my years serving in the bench in St. Louis County, I did feel like I wasn't doing my fair share in the pro bono area. But as I began to make notes for today, I realized that maybe I was doing more than I had really thought about. Because pro, pro bono means more than just providing free legal services. The Latin phrase pro bono publico literally means the common good. And I believe as a judge and all judges, we are doing the work for the common good. When my peers elected me as the presiding judge in St. Louis in September of 2016, it meant I took on many different responsibilities that I hadn't had before. I had such august tasks as assigning parking spots, uh, what color they were going to paint the, their, their offices, Call the snow day, which I probably would have done. The first day I called the snow day, I was in Florida. The only ice I saw was the one in my class. Um, but seriously, uh, among among these responsibilities that I inherited was to be responsible for supervising our 89 at that time municipal court divisions in St. Louis County, to helping them to move forward after the aftermath of Ferguson and the, the death of Michael Brown. It was suddenly my job, which I didn't ask for, uh, to enforce long-standing laws and the new rules that were put in place by the Supreme Court. And what it was all about was to ensure the right for all to the access to justice. I realized that ensuring the right for everyone to have access to justice would require our judicial system to change uh, some of its habits, both large and small, because what went on in those municipal courts on a daily basis and did go on, have a profound impact on people who have real people with real lives. People who may have been responsible parents, dependable employees, good friends and neighbors, but because they missed a court date or drove on a suspended driver's license or let their grass grow too tall, they found themselves in municipal court jails. 
Or maybe they had they didn't show up for court and they had a four hundred dollar bond put on them and they don't have four hundred dollars in order to get out of jail. I met many citizens who uh, were not educated enough to navigate our legal system. We get so used to it, but it's 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 scary and time consuming. Or they were too poor to hire an attorney, and as a result, they could not obtain the protections that they're entitled to as our citizens. There were young mothers and fathers, veterans, immigrants, people with disabilities and mental health issues, those who were disabled, drug addicted, or victims of domestic violence. I became deeply involved with the plight of folks in municipal jails and in our county jail. As is common throughout the entire country, and in St. Louis County as well, about 60% of those people that are incarcerated are in, in our jail, county jail, they're for pretrial confinement, have not been convicted yet of anything, or they may be there for uh, probation violations. As a presiding judge, I became more involved with the work of Legal Services and Missouri Bar and other individuals that are providing services to the public. A fellow I got to know fairly well is Richard Shearer, who is putting together the Missouri Coalition, which has trained over 350 lawyers in the last two years to do criminal jury trials, to give a little assistance to the public defender system. I know how overworked the public defender system is because I, held, I was required to hold a hearing to find out how many cases they had. And I generally, they suggest that each one should have about 128 to 130 cases each. And our numbers were like 170, 175, or even higher. And that goes to show you that, the, you know, just think of you, you had that much more. And they don't get to say, I don't want to take this case. They have to take each case. So I entered an order about that, and, and uh, it's one of the few orders in the whole country that's acknowledged the overworking uh, and the requirements that we put on our public defenders. I was lucky enough to be a, a founder of St. Louis County's first Veterans Treatment Court. Uh, I also had the good fortune that because of that to work closely with other folks like the Kaufman Fund. Some folks are here today where we, we, I work with them and we find lawyers to volunteer to help veterans. Catholic Legal Assistance Ministry as well and legal services. We all kind of get together and work to help our veterans who are in need of legal services. As a Marine, of course, I truly believe that we must uphold the promises that we made to our citizen warriors as they go off to serve and risk their lives for our country. But I believe also in the basic right to representation and assistance in ensuring that you're entitled to rights for all. With the benefit of experience and hindsight, and when you're 70, you get both, whether you like it or not, uh, I have come to more fully appreciate the unique role and responsibilities that judges have uh, in the process of assisting those that are less advantaged. As Justice Ginsburg has said, as lawyers, we all have a duty to ensure access to justice for the disadvantaged. But judges, we kind of had a, a kind of a extra privilege of being by our position, we're empowered by the Constitution and by society to encourage other lawyers, which I was I, I didn't even have to do sometimes. They would volunteer to come help someone that we that needed help. But our judicial ethics say that we're supposed to promote volunteerism. We're supposed to accommodate the pro bono practice. We should collaborate with pro bono providers to give them desk books and materials so that this is how this particular kind of case should go. To reduce expenses because of the cost for, for pro bono services and, and, and look at making, trying to reduce that. To create toolkits for our fellow judges to lecture, 
uh, to allow, there's something called limited scope services, uh, representation if you haven't done it. Uh, judges don't seem to like it very much, but you get the right to get out as long as you get in the right way. And finally, to maybe grab our wallets and, and to donate to those who provide legal services. In his recent State of the Judiciary address the, to the Missouri Legislature, Chief Justice Giselle Fisher noted the importance of pro bono work. He emphasized the new pro bono waiver rule that a lawyer who is in good standing, uh, they can request a waiver of the Missouri annual enrollment fee, which is like four hundred and something dollars. Um, and if they are solely practicing in the pro bono area. Our modern rules say in Rule 6.1, it states that lawyers should aspire to work without a fee for up to 50 hours of pro bono work each year. Our law schools nationally and most importantly locally have long uh, understood the virtue of pro bono work as a teaching tool and as an end actually in and of itself. Many of them offer students formal classes on helping and understanding economically disadvantaged. Some send their students out to clinics uh, and to, in, into the community. Some require that students complete a certain number of hours in order to graduate. I'm proud to say that while I was in law school back in Boston, back in 1971, <laughs> I created the first legal services that we had, clinic that we had in my law school, New England School of Law. While I've spoken mostly so far about uh, the criminal services, we must not forget the very significant civil issues that are uh, required and need our assistance. Far too often litigants are vulnerable in civil cases concerning many of the very basic parts of their needs in life. Legal needs of the low-income families runs the gamut. Housing, family law, custody, predatory lenders, domestic violence, immigration, personal injury, bankruptcy, and much more. Too often, many are turned away from getting those services because we simply lack the resources. Missouri and the Supreme Court have taken great strides in clearing the way for the hurdles to help represent people pro bono. They have provided for voluntary attorney's benefits, the malpractice coverage, waiver of fees, reimbursement, out-of-pocket expenses, CLE programs, and very importantly for this group, recognition of the work that you've done and the people that you've helped. Other opportunities are available as well. Yet while these programs have made real strides in meeting the issues between legal needs and the services that we can provide, a large unmet need still exists, as each person in this room is well aware. Access to justice is a fundamental right in America. In 2017, thousands of lawyers gave free legal services Yet we had to turn others away because we just didn't have the resources. In recent years, I've been first, I've learned and seen firsthand that the extraordinary work and dedication of the private bar to carry out pro bono work, and I have gained a greater appreciation of the tremendous effort of the organized bar, legal services organizations, uh, and those of you that are gathered here today. We must continue to use our influence to encourage and create support for the civil legal aid, support pro bono services, as every citizen, aspiring citizen, has a right to access to justice. We must be proactive and continue to be proactive in our efforts to secure due process, to provide accessible courtrooms and interpreters and people that can get to court. Transportation is a major issue in St. Louis. We must make greater use of technology. We all got cell phones, I'll bet, and we have to 
figure out ways to do that. We're using that in the courts while we're doing Skype and things like that so we get to talk to people that are imprisoned. We must look to the law firms, the law schools, the corporations, and other institutions, as well as ourselves, to dedicate ourselves to improving our justice system. There's more work to be done, and there always will be. We must all pull together and use our combined resources as members of the judiciary, the organized bar, and its individuals to guarantee that the American judicial system will continue to deliver the promise of justice for all. Rick Tidelman devoted his life to advancing the cause of justice, especially to those in need. And may his life continue to inspire us to continue his work for the common good and to light the path of services to others. Thank you.